0: Welcome to The Next Imperative, a podcast hosted by a and energy leaders, tackling key issues and trends in the industry. In this episode. Senior Director Jeff Angulo and co-host Adnan Khan are joined by industry experts Ben Brule from Ovintiv, Afshin Talizaz from Magellan Midstream Partners, and Brandon Brown from Vital Energy to discuss partnerships for innovation and how to best leverage those partnerships.
1: Let's talk about the types of partnerships and maybe throw out some examples as we go through the conversation. Um, Adnan, you wanna give us a start? Yeah,
2: absolutely, um, and I think we we alluded to some of these uh, various topics, the different types of partnerships aligning to different needs, business needs, strategic needs, technology needs. Um, but one thing that uh, we've come across as working with different group of uh, companies and industry leaders is um, two dimensions where we look about when we think about partnerships, right? Whether it's a corporate, innov- you know, corporate in public, you know, innovation within the company, whether it's a joint venture, with, uh, whether it's in a uh, venture capital accelerator, or even in the, the latest and greatest, the open innovation ecosystem approach. The two dimensions that we think about, and these are not necessarily uh, exhaustive in any way, these are just two that we've come up with more often. Uh, one axis is the relationship, right? Whether it's a, um, Level of urgency that the business has, is it something that they need to do today? Are they solving a problem for today or whether it's something that they're thinking further ahead? Uh, What level of involvement? Is this? something that uh, they want to do? Everybody organization needs to be involved or is it a specific department or disciplinary or functionary sort of uh, focus? Um, Or is it based on the amount of need, potential change that we have that's needed? The second axis that uh, we've come across is um, how close the proximity to your core operations, whether it's something you're very good at, or are you reaching out into a um, domain that you perhaps were not very good at? Um, For example, utilities are starting stepping into, you know, uh, coming into a little bit into hydrocarbon extraction. Uh, some of the fully integrated large super majors are stepping into uh, utility sector, right? So they're getting into a whole different play. So depending on what are your two dimensions, your needs might uh, differ on your partnership. Um, so open question to, to, to you guys, as when you think about um, dimensions of determining your partnership, uh, whether it's a startup or otherwise, what are your, how do you evaluate that? What are your key criterias when you think about that? Brandon?
0: Well, what comes to mind first is just what level of trust you have with them, mm-hmm. right? And if you, or what level of trust you can't establish with them, maybe, maybe you don't know them, but if, if you know the particular party already and you've had prior experience with them, that's gonna be somewhat of an accelerator because you have a relationship established and you have some level of trust there and you know what you're getting. Right? If you're going to a partner that you don't have experience with, you've got to figure out how, do you, how you get some level of trust developed. Yeah. Um, but but it, I think it really just depends on your situation. There are times where you can use partners that you have relationships with and you have that trust established, and they come and hit the ground running and get moving. Mm-hmm. And to your point, if you don't, if they don't, if you don't have a partner kind of already in your, in your supply chain, Um, and you got to look outside of that for the expertise that maybe your current partners don't have you're going to have to find a way to establish that trust
3: and get comfortable with them Um, in addition to trust i would say capabilities yeah those are critical um if it's around a particular technology or a particular domain or industry that you're wanting to bring in bringing in you know being able to to observe the demonstration of those capabilities are important um what you don't want to do is you don't want to go into a new innovation uh, or a new idea, and, and you're wanting to bring that capability into the organization, and you're a couple of months in, and you find out that maybe the capabilities aren't there, or maybe the the, the technology is too immature um, to do something with it. You know that may happen. That that goes along with some of the risk profile there. But the more you can do to kind of help understand some of that, um, and go into partnerships, you know, fully aware of, of all of the different risks that you're taking, I think is important as well. Any any specific
2: capabilities that you think are Top of your uh, radar based on uh, how you're solving some of the problems, or otherwise, is there anything that is, you know, really critical right now? It doesn't have to be in uh, in your current in- role right now, but overall that you feel are important to have these days.
3: So the ability to deliver, yeah, right. The ability to deliver is really important. Um, you know, asking questions around around churn, yeah. You know, what What does the the churn look like in the organization I think is important when you think about deliverability to being able to bring something and realizing the value. Uh, and then really also the technical capability. So it, this depends on the area, but if you're doing something in AI ML, you want to ensure that your partner has those technical capabilities to, to be able to deliver what you're trying to work on. And so those are two really important things is, is delivering the solution um, consistently and and having the technical background um to actually deliver what what you've asked them to do i
0: would would add to that it's 100 spot on i think with that one piece i would add to it and it's not a capability it's more of a character trait is the is the ability to tell your customer when you can't do something right just be honest and direct and say hey we thought we had this capability we don't have it we're working on it if a partner can be honest and direct and share that that's something most likely we can work with It's when um, they don't come forward with that stuff, and you kind of churn through the messiness of it, and you find out on your own they don't have that capability. Well, then the damage has been done, back to the trust standpoint, and it's it's harder rebuild from that. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, I gravitate more towards the um, proximity to the business model and the business strategy. Mm -hmm. So you know, as you mentioned, I think the words close to core, Um, because the way I picture it is like when when you work with a startup and you're looking for new perspectives and the organization is heading this direction. You have a couple of different options. You can you can find something that you utilize to help guide you to a slightly different route. Or you could maybe go further out, maybe like the three to five year time frame, or you can go really far out there, like the four horizons. And generally speaking, it's hard for a company to take a right turn and go out there. It's easier for a company to nudge a little in this direction. So so finding something in my mind that I generally gravitate to that is kind of close to your core business but helps push you in a slightly different direction, I think those are what really sets you up for success versus the ones that you kind of look towards and say, man, we're looking for something disruptive. We're looking to disrupt our business model. Um, You have to have absolute dedication from the very top to the very bottom that this is what we're after. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you make no progress whatsoever. I'm not saying that's a bad approach, because for for certain companies, certain business models, I think that's very valid. But for my mind, what I'm usually looking for is something that could help provide new perspective close to what we're doing today, and incremental improvements that we can continue building on each and every time. You gain a little trust, you gain a little momentum, you can build from there, and before you know it, you've got over to here, to that third horizon further out. Um, It just takes some time to get there. Good
2: point.
3: Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. You know, a couple of degrees of change early can result in really large magnitudes over time, um, and so that's something I think about when with just innovation programs and, and leveraging partners is that intentionality mm-hmm. and a few degrees of change. Building that trust, both internally and externally, with those partners can create can create material value.
0: Well, if you think about the human element of all this, right, I and mean, that's what all this is is changing humans, the technology aspects are pretty easy. It's getting people to actually use it is the, is the tough part. And large changes, I think Ben, to your point, um, probably I would guess over time prove not to be successful where small incremental changes over time are probably the way to change something significant. Mm-hmm.
4: So. Yeah, for me, for me personally, like I, I just have not had a ton of success in trying to engage both internal and external, trying to, to push towards something farther away. The, the places that I have seen more success, there's something that's more tangible, more applicable here and now, um, easier implementation within a next six to 12 month period versus saying, hey, we're gonna spend a good amount of time and some money pr- looking at the five to 10 year. Um, I just have not personally seen as much success. Especially early on, right? Especially Cause, cause early you're trying on. to get yeah. people
0: to understand this technology and that's kind of where I was going earlier with if you can go solve a problem, You'll create that spark of curiosity, like okay, that was cool. I like how you did that. Can you and trust, and trust. Yes. Can you help me solve yeah. this problem now? Right, and the problems will get bigger and more complicated as you go Ab-
4: along. Absolutely, and it goes for all levels of the organization. Absolutely, you, you, you could gain gain trust all the way up to the board, or you can gain trust all the way up to the new hire that just started yeah. last week. So demonstrating the positive results and impact from some form of collaboration and startup, um, I think that's what really builds momentum long term. Yeah.
3: You know, one thing about the change aspect that I that I think is is important to talk about is that. You, It is possible to do big change to a technology or to a process, but minimize the change to a person. So the idea that we're only kind of introducing incrementally is, is important, and I agree with it. But I do think it's important to talk about that you can make big changes, but thinking about how it affects the person, if you can minimize the disruption to uh, individuals or the organization and still make a big change you can still have a lot of success but it takes quite a bit of intentionality to do that but it is certainly possible to make big changes so long as you're keeping people
4: f- in you know in front of mind while you're making those changes and i'd love to explore that a little more Ashley, and get your thoughts on that um, because in my mind for you to make big changes and be successful doing it it's part uh deliberate approach but part luck too I feel like you kind of have to stumble upon the right thing at the right time with the right people with the right mindset and i feel like it's you got to kind of rely on luck a little bit to make that happen um at least that's how i think about it i don't know if you have any different thoughts
3: Um, i do think you you need to find the right thing at the right time and that's where a little bit of that experimentation comes from i think that's why kind of going back to that ecosystem it's so important to be able to test things out to see sort of where you're at and also have the, the ability to put something on the shelf and maybe take it, take it down later and bring it in at the right time. Um, I, I kind of think about maybe luck is preparedness meets opportunity mm-hmm, yeah. and timing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, if we, can, if we can be prepared in our innovation, even if maybe something isn't sticking right now, we can put it on the shelf and, and pull it back off when maybe the opportunity is right. Um, I, I think that's really where you can take advantage of, of what, you're, what you're, I think, getting at.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, I like how you're describing it too. I like the shelf analogy. Um, that's been my experience, is let's work something through, through vetting. Um, if we don't like it, let's just put it on the shelf. Um, maybe it'll come back into play at a certain point in the future, either the right technology comes along, the right mindset, somebody with a different vision that could actually put it to use in a different way. So but, play the uh, dice. I do like. but so it, it is a little bit of that luck, but a little bit of the preparedness. Yeah. Like, like, let's you. get smart enough to know something about it, but let's not be experts in it. If we go be experts in it and it doesn't work, we've over leveraged ourselves, and we're in trouble but let's get smart enough that we know about it and we're comfortable with it and we'll put it on the shelf and if the time comes, we'll bring it back down, then, then great. So that's I it. do like that analogy. Yeah, I like that analogy as well. I think
0: the size of the problem you're solving is direct correlation with the ability to implement big change. That's mm-hmm. a great right? point. Right, so an example I'll use is with lease operators. Right. They despise having to spend three or four hours of their day inputting data. Well, if you can eliminate that completely for them and give them four hours of their day back, that's a significant change and they'll take it all day long right? So, but we solved a huge pain point that they had that they wanted to get rid of, right? It's the, the, the change, the large changes get hard when you're taking away something that
3: they don't necessarily want to give up. Well, and, and innovations like that can also be big, right? So so to be able to do that in your processes could require significant innovation, um, whether they're existing technologies or new ways to implement them within the organization, or it might be New application technologies you have to bring to bear, um, and and I think that's a really good point is that you can bring big technological change, but if designed well with people first, yeah. you can you can reduce the friction of that that change introduction um, to the adoption piece you had mentioned earlier in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, to add to that, I think when solution you
2: know whether it's partners that are helping out uh, big corporations or. Uh, big uh, partners helping out, others equal sort of size partners, N- understanding your end user, right? And I think this is the part where in, in the energy industry, because you have such a diverse group of uh, users, right? Whether you've got somebody that's in a function, whether it's somebody in the field, whether it's a reservoir engineer or a production engineer, there's just different triggers and the different problems and being able to relate to that and actually solving problems for them um, and then earning their trust, I, I think is absolutely a key point uh,
3: to sort of do that.
1: Afshin, do these collaborations usually come to fruition and deliver on the expectations going in, uh, and, and add the value, achieving primary goals?
3: In my experience, yes. I will say though that the expectations can, and I think sometimes should change, evolve, as, and evolve as as you're going through the innovation, um, you know, entering into various partnerships with different groups. You know, sometimes you, you think you know what you need and what you want from the beginning, which is why you're doing the engagement. Um, but as you learn from each other, you learn from iterating through the process, you discover that, that you need to make some changes Maybe it's maybe it's a wholesale change. Like what we thought we needed to do here needs to dramatically shift, and we need to go in a direction which is very valuable. Um, and sometimes it's really we just need to make minor changes, you know, as we as we go along. Um, I, I think most of the time there is some evolution of the expectations in the partnership. But in my experience, uh, the partnerships that I've been a part of have delivered value from the engagement.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think this one's uh, fascinating from the standpoint of when you go into a partnership, you, you do have, you have a charter, you have a vision, you have desired output, you have a timeline associated. It's hard to build a business contract without having all that kind of stuff. I have, I don't know if I've ever seen one live up to what it's billed as, to be completely <laughs> honest. And that's because it's just so messy and hard. Like. It, to think that we could sit down as a, as a group of smart individuals and paper up innovation of how it'll look and how it'll achieve something, it, it's almost impossible. Like Real progress is messy and it's unexpected and it happens a little bit by chance, a little bit by luck, a little bit by intention. So I, I don't know if I've ever seen one actually work as it was expected. Um, but you do see value from numerous ways, sometimes in the direct implementation of technology that came from it. Maybe it's different than what was expected. Um, But the most value I generally see is the the growth and development within the the organization on both sides. You know, the the startup is getting a little bit more sticky, they're getting more comfortable, they're gaining real tactile business experience from a, a corporate and vice versa we're getting new perspectives new technology um just new ways of thinking that generally is not part of our business today so i think the value almost always come out of them but almost always in a different way than expected going in
3: i think that's what goes back to what brandon said earlier and the question that we started out with right what's the criteria i think if you do some due diligence up front you really have those important conversations you start building that trust you ensure that the capabilities are there that increases the chance that you're going to get value out of that engagement, even if it takes a, a left turn or a right turn or, or whichever direction it needs to go into. Um, that upfront work, I think, increases the chances of success of, of getting what both, both entities need
4: from. That, that's a hard thing to pitch to. So like let's say, for example, if you go in and you're, you're pitching to you know, executive level or board and say, here's what we plan to do, I'm going to tell you it's probably not, not going to work. <laughs> I'd <laughs> love for you to fund it. You know, yeah. it's just not a great conversation to have, but um but I think it's a realistic discussion that needs to be had and say this is this is our plan but it's gonna be messy and we're gonna to have to deviate. And as we deviate, we'll adjust, we'll revisit, uh, we'll refocus, we'll check in, we'll get feedback, make sure we still have strategic alignment. As long as you have strategic alignment and support, you're heading down the right direction, even if you have to modify along the way. So that's that's been my, my experience. Yeah, and as long as you're getting
0: value out of it and you're sharing that value back with yes. your sponsors. Yes. Hey, we, absolutely. Didn't, we didn't, with the output's not the same, but here's what we gained out of this engagement. We did yeah. get value out of it, here's what we learned. This yeah. enables us to move forward, ABC, absolutely.
1: And, and really by definition, you can't pre-plan innovation, right? you cannot it, it is it is messy like yeah. innovation
4: should make you very uncomfortable because especially as a corporate you are no longer just delivering you you're, know, you're, you're not, not delivering. In yeah, you're you're not doing something that is likely delivering a tangible quarterly profit. Yeah. You know, you're you're doing something that will deliver enhanced efficiency or enhanced experience or a new business product down the line, but not today. You're putting money, time, resources towards something that you can't really speak to openly for a period of time, so it should make you uncomfortable, especially as a leader in an organization. You should be pretty uncomfortable when people talk about innovation, but you just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting. You know, point that you made there. And when I think about that more, I think there's like different parts of the process that have different kinds of uncertainty. So I think there's some innovations where you know the outcome is doable. You just don't know how you're going to get there. So you know your destination is doable, but you're not quite sure how all of the steps are going to be.
2: A zigzag or, I'm gonna go you're, straight or
3: Zigzag or straight. You know, you may generally know, hey, I need these kinds of skills and talents and technologies and business processes to do this, but it may not be 100% clear you know, how all of those fit together, but you know it's doable. Then there are other ones where, you're, where you really don't know if, if the outcome is even possible. Um, you might be really clear on the technologies, how you need to go about it, Is it possible? We don't know. And then there are some where you don't know if you can do it, and you don't know if that's the worst one. Those are the (laughs) most difficult. But I think those are the you know, and those each kind of take a little bit of of a a different feel. I think when 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 both communicating them, but also executing them, Mm -hmm. you know, within the program.
4: And we're in the I'm in the middle of one right now that that fits that bill where we don't know if it's possible. You know, we're working down a path and we have a vision, but um, you know. Can we, can we see the vision of exactly how you get it done? The answer is no because we haven't been there before and the technology is not there so we're kind of working through that trying to figure it out. And you can tell that the team's uncomfortable in that space. You can see people are like, well I don't know if I don't know if we have a good story to tell yet and I try to encourage people like it's not about telling a good story. It's about you know are we making progress? Do we think yeah. we're making progress? Do we have a product to show maybe not, but that's okay you know because it is uncomfortable. it is messy, it's super inefficient, that's for sure. But all that being said, progress is being made during that time period.
3: yeah, and it's interesting how those how those come about, <laughs> just kind of reflecting back on some of my own experiences, um, you know developing some AIML solutions. you'd work for a couple of months and it'd feel like you're you're churning, and then one day mm-hmm. yeah. here it is. it works, it does what we think it needs to, but for for weeks and, and months you're just churning, not knowing if something is going to work and and all of a sudden it does and I think that just that uncertainty kind of comes into it but it's also difficult to communicate, you know, that uncertainty. Oh, it is. Yeah, um, It makes people uncomfortable and that for process. Time. It makes
0: people uncomfortable and, and, and every day that ticks by with that uncertainty makes people step back and lose confidence in what you're doing, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a difficult position to be in.
3: You know, I saw this diagram once of, a, of a, like a, a machine learning process and it was very linear. And then there's another diagram where it's just a bunch of jumbled lines going. And then there's yeah. a in, 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 you know arrow in and then an arrow out. <laughs> yeah. and I think that's really that's really the process of innovation. Yeah. It really it's is. you know we can put things very linearly and clean, but oh, yeah. the reality of it is it's a bunch of lines just all you know squiggling all yeah. over the place. And then eventually you know there's an arrow coming out of the process. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. In order for a partnership to be successful, it really has to have buy-in and engagement from the most senior levels of, in both organizations. Uh, it has been my experience. Can we discuss some best practices that corporates and startups should be adopting as they go through to ensure that these these collaborations are successful ultimately and, and achieve the goals? And admittedly, the goals may be evolving over time. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit, if we, if we don't mind, about some best practices. Um, Kind of to get us started, uh, Brandon, what do you see, which teams do you see typically need to work on these collaborations, and how should the teams be structured?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, I'm going to go back to one of your comments. Is you got to have the support at the highest level, and you do, uh, but you need the support throughout the entire organization. If you, don't, if you have it at the top and you have it at the team executing but not in the middle, your success is going to be very difficult. So you've got to get that support structure in place all the way through the organization. Yes, it is much easier if you have support at the top top level uh, to gain that support in the middle, but don't miss the part in the middle. You've got to get them on board. Uh, and that can be very difficult. Just because your highest level leader is supportive of it doesn't necessarily mean the people in the middle are going to be supportive of it. Um, and it kind of goes back to that trust aspect. You've got to get those people to trust what you're doing. They've got to have an interest in it. Um, they got you got to find a way to create that spark of curiosity that we've talked about. Um, and I don't know that there is a good process for that. It's um, it's like almost like art. You know, but you've you've got to figure out what works for that individual. You've got to maybe solve a problem for them, some way to start establishing some trust with them. And then all this also throw out there too. I mean, I, I liked your point earlier about kind of um, high skilling your existing employees. But not everybody is good with innovation. Not everybody is going to like innovation. Not everybody needs to be on the innovation bus. Yeah. You know, so it's important to have the right processes to figure out. When to exit them off the bus, right? Um, you want to give them definitely the opportunity to be successful and be part of that team, but there just might come a time where they need to get off. Um, and I think having those right processes, and I don't really know, I don't know that there's one size fits all for those situations. People are different, and it's like I mentioned, it's kind of an art to figure out when, when it's time to maybe change the process or, or change the resource that's
4: on the team.
1: Ben, what are your thoughts?
4: You know, one that I feel just dead set on is facilitation. Um, for any partnership, You have the people doing the innovating, which are generally some form of individual contributors on both sides of the organizations, corporates or startups. You have people supporting either, you know, sponsors, executive sponsors, but if you don't have somebody to facilitate, to pull it together, then things just do not move forward because the people that are doing the innovating are not the ones that are generally skilled at facilitating. And if you don't have that critical component, you, you just slow down so much. So, and that could be internal. That could be external. Um, It could come from a lot of places, but you have to have that defined role of saying, hey, we we have to acknowledge we need to make sure we dedicate time to just facilitation, much less just doing the work. It's easy to overlook that and say, no, let's just get the work done. Like, let's start doing things, which is great. Progress must be made. But um, if you don't have the proper facilitation, then it just really stalls things out over time.
2: I think one thing, I I mean, if I can point out, all the three organizations that we have over here, all three of you have innovation and sort of that as a key strategic pillar going forward. I know Oventive, I know um, Laredo with Jason Pygaard, Magellan, you know, you guys are all leading sort of like in its alignment top to bottom, right? Like there's CEO-driven sort of agendas that are driving all that right now. I'm sure that makes it easier as you go about, you know, in your day-to-day job sort of doing that stuff. Does that play out
4: exactly that, does it do that? Yeah, I'd say absolutely. From my perspective, um, you have to have support from the very top. And at Eventive, we certainly have that. Uh, It's a core value of ours. It's something that we talk about frequently. and it's messy still. Yeah. You know, it's just the reality. Like innovation is never going to be super clean. You never feel like you got it. You always feel like you're improving and, and finding ways. But but having um, a, a really healthy level of support from the very top down um, has helped us progress. It's echoed multiple times. Absolutely, yeah. it's echoed multiple. Yeah. It, it's echoed multiple times. Um, you know, we hold we hold the annual annual kind of innovation event, uh, yeah. technology event um, that, that you're familiar with. And, um, you know, over the past couple years, we've been very intentional around how we communicate around innovation, and we have seen that really blossom within the organization. So not just the petro-technical disciplines, but you you see the other portions of the organization really embracing that. And what I find happens is that you experience a paradigm shift without ever realizing it's occurring. Right. It's not easy to look in the moment and say, how, how are we doing? You know, how much progress have we made? But you look back over a period of time and you say, wow, I think we've, I think we've actually made a pretty good amount of progress without ever knowing it. You feel like you're in the, in the trenches still, but you've actually progressed during that period. So, to your point, I agree. I think yeah. having top-down support um, really helps tremendously progress innovation.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, just to add to Brandon's point, I I think the one thing that we've seen in the past is uh, the leader might have it. But then when if that is not communicated repeatedly, constantly uh, throughout the organization, you know, people just lose or forget that. Right. And then they kind of like, oh, yeah, we did talk about that. Oh, but that's just one of the 19 different other things we were focusing on right now. Maybe this is not as important. Right. So it's alignment. It's consistent feedback. It's repeated sort of uh, messaging. Um, and then everybody delivering on that, and, and then, it, then it becomes a much easier smooth. Well, Ben touched on a great
0: point too. You know, you're know, you down in the trenches and, and you don't realize the progress that you've made. You gotta stop also and look back at where you've gone and where you're at and celebrate that success, yeah. right? You may not be exactly where you thought you'd be, but you're definitely further down the path than where you, where you started and you've innovated along that way. You gotta stop and recognize that. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and I just, know the industry that we're in and we're, we're not good at that, right? We, we just move on to the next thing and we, and we don't take time to celebrate success and we've got to get better at that.
4: I, I echo that and, and I'm bad about that myself, yeah. you know, I'm like, what, what's next? Where are we going? <laughs> like, how, right. What are we going to figure out next? What's the next problem? But I agree, I think you have to take time and acknowledge, if nothing else, the right behaviors and the right actions. You can't guarantee outcomes. But if but if you're really recognizing the behaviors and the actions, you build something sustainable from an ecosystem that is a true core competency of an organization. And that, that's hard to do, too.
3: Well, that's well, that's when that becomes a capability. Absolutely. That's when that
4: comes becomes a capability, and I think that's the differentiator. It is a
3: differentiator, And it's something yeah. very much yeah. worth celebrating.
1: How often do you guys see partnerships with startups enable the incumbent companies to move beyond their core business? And an example I'll throw out is a super major that's gone... I think Adnan said earlier that's gone from the upstream E&P business uh, to delivering electricity through through new energy technology. Where else have you seen those things come together?
2: It's a difficult question, Jeff. I, I it's I don't think that. Um it's easy to do that, right? That is strategically changing your business proposition completely, right? I think Monsanto is one example. John Deere completely changed his model. McLaren is a great example of it. It says it's an analytics company that happens to make cars. So there's a lot of these companies that are doing that, but I don't, you know, I'd be curious to sort of see, do you see our um, incumbent industries doing something drastic like that?
0: Yes, Um, and I think we'll see more of it. Yes. And I think partnership plays a really important role in that. Um, it kind of goes back to, it's back to our, our topic, innovation, right? Um, to, to do something so drastically different like that is innovation, and it's, it's very hard to think that different outside, outside your current wheelhouse. So that then they play an important role um, to help you kind of accelerate your
4: thinking process to, to shift that dramatically to yeah. something different. Yeah, and I, I personally have not seen within the industry many of these relationships and startups redirect the core business. And my gut feel is why that's the case is it's a commodity. We're in a commodities business. You know, We produce a very discrete form of energy for the most part. Um, so trying to find a way to like shake out of that mold is kind of difficult. But if you're selling, if you're if you're like a product-based company where you're selling widget A and you could gain more value by selling widget B, C, or D, it's like, well, maybe I'll think about widget B and C for a little while versus just A. So that's that's what I think kind of holds the uh, the, the energy sector back a little bit is that space. But I do think we are getting to the point where you'll start to see that divergence. You know, the the, the energy transition is occurring. Okay. Yes. And um, it could be slow or it could be rapid. I, I'm not really sure which way it'll go there. But for it to occur in a rapid stance, there will need to be a significant amount of external startup engagement for companies to really capitalize on that.
2: I couldn't agree more, Ben. I, I do think that the energy transition space will create more of those step-outs uh, from our comforts sort or of places than our traditional hydrocarbon sort of typical value chain that we're sort of uh, accustomed to in, in that space.
4: Yeah. And I think, I think it can happen fast. Yes. Like if we, if we talk energy transition, um, nobody can predict where it's going to go, but, but you hear many people say, Oh, it can't happen fast. The infrastructure is too big. We're, we're built out. Um, I saw this really cool image and, and you guys may have seen it. A couple was published a couple years ago. Um, it was a picture of fifth Ave in New York city and it was covered with horses. It was 1900 and it had hundreds of horses It had one automobile. Thirteen years later, same spot had nothing but automobiles and only one horse. So during that time period, you know, not only was the automobile industry born, but you know, vulcanized rubber industry was born. the The energy sector really grew tremendously. Um, construction industry, um, gas stations, um, food and beverage, fast food, motels, all that kind of stuff. It all grew simultaneously. It completely changed the economy over a period of just thirteen years. So for someone to think that a transition couldn't happen rapidly. I think they're probably wrong. It certainly could. It just comes down to are people interested enough to do it? At that point in time, you give somebody a car and say, yeah, I want this to happen. I'm willing to invest in this to make it happen. Uh, for a transition to happen on the energy sector, you know, is the average person interested enough to help that come along? And, and I don't know that answer. Absolutely. something we just have to see. Yeah. Great point.
1: Uh, next best practice, culture. Um, I, my feeling is it's very important innovation as it shapes individuals' willingness to engage in the activities that are required for innovation. We've talked about that a lot, that some people are very comfortable and embrace the, the activities and the, the chaos of innovation, and others uh, are more structured and, and less able to do it. Um, so from a, from a culture perspective, Adnan, you know, what are the, some of the challenges that, that prevent effective partnerships on both sides, Both from the, because the other piece you're dealing with is large corporations that, that are also tend to be more structured versus startups that tend to be very dynamic. And where do, where do you see the challenges and, and how do you try to overcome them? Yeah, no,
2: I, very, uh, topic that's very close to my heart and very passionate about that. Um, and the way that I think about it, uh, three things. One is the culture of the corporation, the culture of the startup or the partner, and the culture of this new entity with the combined when they come together and work together. I think if you look at the culture in the corporations, if they don't have that innovative culture or that mindset to enable people to think outside the box, take risks, um, or being you know penalized for coming up or breaking the status quo, it's not never going to work. I think having that ability to create new ideas, to think outside the box, whether it's natural collisions or through ideations, and be empowered to step out right without any repercussions. That's a culture that allows them to adopt these changes, take, uh, I- integrate those changes into their day-to-day work, That's the kind of culture that kind of is innovative. On the startup side, if you're one of the startups where you're just purely focused on your technology and that you've got the shiniest, best, coolest widget that you could possibly imagine without um, any attention to your customer needs and not being flexible enough to do that, then you're not going to be very successful either. And then when the two entities come together and how that culture evolves and how they're solving each other's problem, helping each other to create something new, I think that's where it becomes really interesting. You could have the best startup and the best most innovative company, but they just two cannot work together because the cultures are so far opposites that they just cannot plug in together. So that's just how I've seen these things, um, that some of the challenges different ways to kind of, uh, you know, improve the culture and how we can sort of do that. But I'm curious to get a perspective from this group over here. Uh, Brandon, what about, I know you're big on culture. Yes, I'm pretty, <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm pretty passionate about culture. And I'm, in my way I look at it, it's really the, the, the probably most important thing when it comes to the success of, of any organization, right? And you're gonna have a culture whether you want one or not, and you're gonna have one whether you're intentional about it or not. So be intentional about it and develop a culture that, that you want for your organization um and it's important with your partners as well they need to be able to your point and not need to be able to match into your culture they need to be able to shift to be able to adapt to that a good partner can um and i think that's one that's a that's a a capability that they need to be able to have is how do they need to adjust and shift to accommodate the culture that they're going into mm-hmm. um and it's you know a lot of the i would say a lot of the energy sectors going through culture transformations they're they're changing from the the, maybe the old way of oil and gas to maybe a new modern way of oil and gas. And a lot of companies are in the middle of that transition. Um, so it's hard for a partner to come in uh, when a company's in the middle of a transition and there's still a little bit of old culture, there's a little bit of new culture. It's, a, it's kind of the, the mixed bag of that. It's, it's a difficult situation to be in. Um, but you just have, I'll, I'll, I'll say it till I'm you know, forever, you have to be intentional <laughs> yeah. about your culture yeah. and, and think about it constantly and make
3: sure you're moving it forward. I, I agree with Brandon. Culture is critical. Um, you do have to be intentional with it, um, and there's and there's ways to reinforce it. And the thing I think is important too is that when I think about a culture of innovation across an organization, that doesn't necessarily mean sameness across the organization. You can have different parts of your organization that have slightly different. Um, I won't call them different cultures, but maybe different sort of um shades shades of that culture that's a great word to use Or you might have a team that's an innovation team that looks really messy but that doesn't really work in every part of the organization and so i think that's also really important in thinking about um, you know, how you support those behaviors, celebrate the behaviors that you really want to help drive that culture to develop those differentiating capabilities. But I think that's really important, right? There's, there's the aspect of a broad culture across the organization, which is critical, but that it's also okay to have those different shades of culture in different parts of the organization to help enhance, you know, what they need to be able to deliver to, to the enterprise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, maybe I'll take a a different spin on it, too. I I completely agree on the importance of culture. It's the number one thing that really drives an organization of any size. But one thing I've never experienced, really, is an external partnership with a differing culture. Mm. And because I believe, to Brandon's point earlier, I think they're weeded out early. Yeah. Like, if you don't have good cultural alignment, you're probably not going to work together, which is a little bit of a shame, actually, because uh, maybe I'll give an example. fairly early early in my career, six or seven years in, um, it was not an external partnership, but it was an external in the sense I was working somebody with different in the organization, somebody very different than me. Um, And their culture and their approach to the business was just night and day different than mine. I'm talking like painfully different. And it was truly painful for me to work through. I mean, their approach just was, they were so detailed with every single thing. And I like the big picture. I like strategic thinking. Where are we going? What's happening next? And they're like, "Well, well, this right here, this has to be taken care of. So it was a battle, it really was. And it was a very slow progression of it. But I will say I experienced the most personal growth in my entire career through pushing through that partnership and experiencing a different culture, a different approach entirely. So if I take that back to like, like external partnerships there, um, I'm always intrigued of what it would look like if you somehow push together people with the right mindset, but different cultures. Mm-hmm. And how, how could you grow from that? I, I, it's always interesting to me. Um, I've never actually experienced that with external, certainly have internal, but um, I'm always interested in that. Like what would happen if you put drastically different cultures together, um, but with the same goal and, and see where it goes from there? So I don't, I don't know. Well, and think
3: I, th- I think there might be an opportunity in that. I think there's an opportunity to bring in partners that have um, strengths in the way that they do what they do that align with where you're wanting to go. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. I was gonna go. And, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. I, th- and I think an that's really, uh, that's, it's an accelerator, right? Not just in the idea of delivering a technology or a capability or a business outcome, but also helping you know share those learnings on how they do what they do with the teams internally. Um, and if you, and if you can get that right, you can really create some positive outcomes just from those collaborations.
4: I, I say, I love that. But I, the thing I struggle with it, with that is, um, how do you get across the finish line? So like, maybe as an example is, um, you, you meet a couple people, you're just out and about and you're, you're having a drink or two. And, um, one person you're talking to, you get along with great. Like yeah, we can go to dinner and we can hang out for a little while. But someone else that might be totally different than you, you just don't get along with. You probably never speak to them again. So like the potential partnerships that are out there that might be strategically aligned that you just don't align with culturally, you probably never go back for a second engagement. You kind of stop right there. So I'm not even sure how you facilitate the start of one of those types of like new perspectives and new relationships, but I'm always really interested in it. I think it just takes a really unique circumstance to allow one of those to kind of foster and grow.
3: So so one way I think about that is if you're wanting to become more agile, as an example, um, you want to be able to iterate more quickly, you want to be able to to deliver value faster. One way that I've seen be really effective is bringing an organization that's very good at being agile. Now, yes, that is going to create some friction. Um, I like to call it um, um, healthy technical um, friction. But there's an opportunity in that friction where I think if you set clear expectations, both internally and externally, um, that, that they're here not only to help us deliver an outcome, but, but also f- we're here to learn from them, mm-hmm. to become more agile. It is our intent to be able to adopt the things, the processes, the learnings that they have as part of the value proposition for the engagement. That's where I think if, if you can be really intentional with certain aspects that a particular partner does really well and you wanna bring that into the organization, that's where I think there's, there can be success. And that's then where, where I've seen it yeah. be successful. That's
0: where we've had the most success. We brought, you know, we brought a partner in with, I would say drastically different culture than we had, 180 degrees a different direction, but we were aligned on the outcome, right? So how we, we knew where we wanted to get, and our cultures were aligned on, on, they were aligned on that we were going to get there, how we got, how, how we were gonna get there was different. But because the cultures were aligned on the outcome, we could work together and we actually learn from I, I feel like they accelerated our culture transformation.
4: No, that's fascinating. Like but
0: it's, you gotta have that alignment, right? And I think to yeah. your point, if you don't have yeah. that alignment, if you're just Cle- off a little Clear bit, expectations, distance, yeah. 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 clear yeah. expectations. The, a lot, the strategic alignment yeah. is critical. Yeah. And then
4: from there, you can certainly make progress if you have the right approach and mindset too.
2: So do you guys feel that a culture can be engineered mutually? mutually, Yeah, in the sense that like, you know, you both agree on that this is a long-term goal, and in order to achieve this thing, we both need to change our culture to do something, to achieve something uh, bigger.
0: I don't know. I have to think okay. about that a little bit. I don't know if you can change your culture. Can you change your behaviors to yeah. achieve that outcome? Yes. Um, would it go as far as it changed the culture? I, I don't
3: know. Yeah. yeah. I think I agree with Brandon on that. Is I definitely think that you can influence the behaviors and, and nudge them in the direction that you want to go to get the outcomes you want. I think culture is something much bigger out. than that. It's, it's a lot, deep. come, no, yeah, I, a lot I,
2: deeper. Yeah, I, I can, is, and it's a leading question for my part as well because I think when you think about it, you know, behaviors is an outcome, right? And if you influence mindset, mindset changes behavior, behavior influences uh, culture. So if you really want to do that, change the mindset, And then you can sort of do that.
3: Well, and Ben said that I think in the first part of the conversation, perspectives. Yes. Bringing in new perspectives helps initially change that mindset. And again, that's one of the key value propositions of of those partnerships.
4: I think you can engineer or change culture, but I think it takes an exceptionally talented individual to be able to do so. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to move from a linear way of thinking, um, like, hey, I, I have conviction to my values and my approach to being, you, know, you hold them strong, but you're open to hearing other things. I think that's yeah. where the critical I completely part. agree with you. Yeah, you it's so hard to get there, though. You
0: definitely can engineer and change culture. I don't know that I agree that you can engineer and change culture for a partnership to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, so sure. That was yeah. right, yeah. yeah. I agree, too. I think that would be very, very, very difficult yeah. to, to accomplish, unless
4: it's an exceptionally long-term partnership. Yeah, that's right. Unless yeah. you go in, you know, let's just say it's a 10-year partnership. Yeah. Say, all right, we got to get comfortable with each other. Let's, let's, yeah. let's start figuring let's this out. Let's get ready to dance I for think, a long time. I think you can, <laughs> yeah, but, most, but most, most startups and engagements are, are not along yeah, that yeah, time yeah,
1: span. Yeah, good yeah. Another KPI, in any endeavor, it's really important to align on goals and key performance indicators to, to help make it successful. Um, Afshin, why don't we start with you on this one. What are some of the metrics that corporate startups uh, or corporate and startup partnerships should be focused on to ensure success?
3: From from innovation? Mm-hmm. So you have to demonstrate return return on, on the investment. That's really important. Another one that uh, I'm really passionate about is something I call value exposure. So um, the way that I look at values exposure is essentially the, the ROI from an innovation, but also the value um, from all of the options that that innovation creates. And I think that's a really important element when thinking about um, portfolios and investing in innovation um, you know, over two, three, four, five-year type timeframes is really thinking about value exposures as a key, um, critical component uh, to, to measure the success of your innovation program. And where I see that really playing in is going back to that idea of putting, of having things on the shelf to bring them into the organization at the right time. Right, it's essentially creating option value in your in your innovation portfolio to say we're going to go do this thing. It has value. This innovation has value. But by doing this innovation, we're looking one, two, three steps ahead, and we see a another set of possibilities from being able to do this innovation. And that has value. That that exposure to something we could not do or cannot do without doing the thing in front of it is really important when I think about aligning innovation to strategic outcomes for the business. And so value exposure along with, with ROI are two key, um, Two key capability or two key KPIs that I think are, are critical. so not necessarily
2: a primary return, but it's also the ability to enable secondary and tertiary gains that right. are not directly related to. What and and the
3: partnership is there to help you achieve those exactly. things, right? Now, to, to measure the partnership, it's it's about yeah. delivery. Like, are we are we delivering the outcomes that get us that ROI and that value exposure um, from the partner per- per- partnership perspective? You know, are we delivering um, you know the SOWs and and the things that that we've agreed upon delivering, uh, that's key to measuring that piece of it. But from an innovation perspective overall, I think ROI and, and value exposure are the two key KPIs. I couldn't agree more with you, uh, actually I think most people have it
2: incorrectly defined when they just think about Here's a project, or here's an initiative I'm doing, and here's the uh, return on investment that I should be doing very directly related a to a. But it's all these other capabilities that it might sort of enable you in the future that is also part of that equation that uh, that you should take into consideration.
4: Completely yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably bring up a maybe a non-traditional one to help ensure success, and in, in, in my mind, it's time. Um, m- maybe the example I would give is: is everybody has that friend you've been friends with for a long time. You're direct communication with them frequently, then out of nowhere you don't hear from them for a couple months. You know, what's going through your head? Like, something, something's not great. I need to check on them. You know, I hadn't heard from them in a while. That That's the exact same thing when it comes to, to projects, startups, et cetera. If you have a group working on something and you know they have an engagement, you know they have endorsement, you know they have license and some freedom to work, and you don't hear anything from them for a while, you start to think, hmm, I wonder what's going on. And then that perception, whether it's real or not, becomes a little bit reality. So I think being really clear on how you're going to manage time and how you're gonna communicate, I think that buys so much trust around an organization that gives you more freedom to continue to operate. Because what you can't guarantee is you deliver something on a date. I think that's impossible. You never wanna try to do that. But you can guarantee, hey, we're gonna come back and talk. We're gonna tell you exactly where we are. We're gonna tell you what value we've added, where, where we're falling short, what our hurdles are, where we need more support. I think if you manage that time accordingly, and that kind of goes back to my earlier point around facilitation too, if you manage that accordingly, you're setting, you're setting yourself up for success.
0: I think it goes back to Absheen's point earlier. What are the expectations outlined expectations. at the beginning yeah, of the partnership? Absolutely. Yeah. How often do I need to hear from him? What are we going to deliver? What do we do when we get off track? I mean, all of those things need to be mm-hmm. established clearly. Mm-hmm. In yeah, and th- absolutely. And I
3: think you know, to the time piece as well is, is some milestones in there to have check-ins to say, do we keep going? Do we pause? Do we stop? Um, and I think that's also important with with executing any particular innovation type element where you don't you don't keep going for the sake of keeping going. You're, you're taking checkpoints along the way to make sure that you're actually getting closer to the outcomes that you want. And you can mm-hmm. you can have that subdiscipline in there um, to say, you know, green, yellow, red, mm-hmm. you know, how do we need to proceed forward at a milestone?
2: So something on timing um, that they sort of do That's something on the dollar amount that you're doing, something on expectations and communication. Any other thing that comes to your mind? like what, When you guys establish partnerships, I and mean, you guys have lots of partners out there right now, what are, what are what's another example that you think is an interesting one that could help future partners that you would work
4: for um, be considered about? I'd, I'd build on Afshin where he was just then, um, putting some checkpoints in along the way, um, specifically around phases, and what are the off-ramps? And what are the off-ramps for, for both sides? You know, at some point, you might get far enough, farther enough along and realize that, you know, there's not a good fit here. Yeah. So you, you, do need, you do need to have good um, discussion early around what that off-ramp would look like. So, so you can take it and both sides know, hey, this is something and it's, it's mutual and we're going to head this direction. We're going to go ahead and off ramp from this and and not continue just to push for the sake of pushing. So those, those check-ins kind of breaking projects up into phases. So you can say, are we still on track? And it gives everybody an opportunity to either nod their head, agree, or you can say, you know what? I I just don't see this adding the value we intended. And maybe it's time to go a different direction.
0: Yeah. Those check-ins are, I think, one of the most critical aspects. I mean, I've had plenty of partners in the past that would and they wouldn't check in and they would hear through the grapevine that things aren't going good. I'm like, well, if you're hearing it through the grapevine, that's not, that's not a good sign, right? So those check-ins and, and just keeping that contact is, I think, is critical.
3: Uh, one thing that actually Brandon mentioned earlier is just being upfront. Yeah. Be really upfront and honest. If, if, if there isn't a capability there that we thought or we need to make a change, I think being really upfront and transparent oh, um, is, is critical to a successful partnership.
0: I mean, most people are pretty reasonable, right? And if you explain, I mean, if, if they're clear and transparent, here's what we're dealing with, and they don't try to hide it, you're probably going to be willing to work with them and work through that.
4: More willing, really. Yeah. Probably, you, probably more willing. You earn right. some uh, real connection yeah, that's there, that's like right. a little bit of humility and openness. Like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's where we're at. Here's, here's the big problem we're dealing with. Um, people appreciate that kind of transparency. Well, and,
3: and there's a reality as well in the innovation process that you're going to encounter something that nobody yeah. that's right. has encountered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that really is an opportunity for, for your partner and your internal teams to come together and solve that problem with the expertise is that.
2: And then I think it also goes on from the other startup side as well in the fact that, okay, if they don't also want to show off a weakness that might otherwise be construed as a lack of capability. Maybe it's just a, it's a gap today, but it can turn into a capability, but let's work on it together, right? And maybe that is that one plus one is going to be three later on, but don't be afraid to show that. Um, with then open, transparent sort of uh, a mindset on that.
0: Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to The Next Imperative so you never miss a new episode. Also, visit our website at alvarezandmarsal.com to learn more and to connect with us.